started out uh, together uh, some years ago, serving the Lord there, going to, uh, to college and there at Concord, and uh, just appreciate people's not changed, don't you? And been faithful to God and uh, real Christians, and I thank the Lord for that. I'm going to look tonight from Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, and uh, if you'll stand with us tonight in reverence to the Word of God in prayer, Brother Grant will be preaching this Wednesday night. Uh, for us, and so you pray for him, and um, this will be in revival this week, so do pray for us, and, and Brother Graham will do a good job, so do remember him in your prayers, and um, uh, just a lot of things uh, going on these days, but I'll tell you, the Lord, he's in control, isn't he, amen, and I feel like the message tonight uh, is one that is either where many of, of us may be tonight, or where we could be tonight, and I pray it'll be an encouragement. Uh, to each and every one of us. Luke chapter 14 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief priests to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace and took him and and he took him and healed him and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. Father, I ask you tonight to touch us in a special way. I pray that you would help us to, to be a blessing and an honor to your name, but a blessing to your people tonight. May the will of God be done. You know every need that's represented. You know every burden that's on every heart. And God, I pray that you'll help us around the Word of God and we'll praise you for it and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice in verse number 1, and I want you to see the phrase in our text. The Bible says, and it came to pass. And that's a familiar phrase. It's one that we read several times throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But I think it's uh, an important phrase, and especially in particular concerning this text and the subject uh, that I'm going to preach on tonight because I promise if you have not been here, just hang on because the subject that I want to preach on is something that will come to pass and has come to pass in all of our lives. And so I think about the phrase in this text and then there's the place that's in this text. Notice the Bible said that as he, talking about Jesus, went into the house of one of the chief priests. Now, isn't that interesting that Jesus has been invited to go into uh, one of the chief priest's house? I mean, of all the places that you might find Christ, uh, I promise you that's one place that I would have never expected to see him. I mean, the house of a publican, the house of a sinner, uh, down at the house uh, of some uh, uh, someone that's just been born in the family of God. Uh, we could understand that. But here is a religious man, a Pharisee, and he's been invited into this house House. And I think about the place that's in our text. And then there's the period in our text. Notice the Bible said that uh, he's been, uh, that he entered into the house one of the, of the one of the chief priests to eat bread on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus has been invited over on Saturday uh, to eat bread at one of their houses. I mean, uh, listen, of all the places that our Lord would have went, I mean, that would be like a equivalent to Joe Biden inviting you and I over to eat bread at his house, you know, uh, or some Democrat inviting us to come over and eat, uh, eat bread at their house. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's not calling our numbers. Somebody say amen. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, this is a very unusual invitation that Christ is, has received in this text. 
And I think what's interesting about this text is that Jesus never denied anybody an invitation. And he never turned down an invitation. If someone invited him, he was willing to go. No matter who they were, no matter how bad they are, no matter how wicked their life may be, no matter how far out in religion they may go, Christ was willing to go anywhere with anyone. And that's enough in this one verse to let me know that the gospel and that Jesus Christ is for anyone and everyone that will accept him and receive him. And so uh, there's the period. It's the Sabbath day. It's Saturday. And Jesus is, has been invited to this chief priest's house to, to eat bread. But I want you to see not only the period in this text but notice the pressure because the Bible says that as he entered into the house of one of the chief priests to eat bread on the Sabbath day notice this that they watched him I mean they have invited him here to eat bread but once he gets inside the house and he finds his place at the table they stare at him they watch him in other words, you don't have to read too far into this text to find out that uh, this is a setup. This is a, uh, this is a trap. Uh, uh, they brought him here not to really eat bread, uh, not to really have a good Saturday dinner after church. That's not really the purpose, but the purpose here is to interrogate him, to intimidate him. They, they brought him here to, to put him in a, a, a very uh, hard place, a very hard situation. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on hard places. Because in verse number one, Jesus is in a hard place. He's sitting at a table with a bunch of religious men that every one of them could quote the Old Testament or, the, or they could quote the Pentateuch, the five books of the law uh, that Moses wrote. They were religious men. That they're out to get him. They're not his friends by any means. Jesus is in a hard place. I was thinking about that one day uh, some time ago when I read this text and I thought to myself, why would Jesus accept this invitation? I mean, it's clear from verse number one and even further as you read the scriptures that, uh, that their motive is wrong and that their spirit is wrong and that their, their intention is not that of good, but it's to do evil. They have invited him over and they've set him down and they've outnumbered him and they've surrounded him at this table and now they're just watching him. They're putting him in a place, in a position that they might be able to plot against him. And yet Jesus accepts the invitation he goes to the hard place anyway, and he serves. I thought to myself, why would he sit in a hard place? Why would he serve in such a hard place? Why would Jesus even show up in a hard place? I mean, if I was Jesus and, and they invited me over, I would say, now, wait a minute. Christ knew all things. I know the motive of your heart. You're not really wanting me to come over and eat dinner with you. It's not a casual conversation. This is not a, a friendly invite, but your motive is wrong, and I know your motive, and I think I'll just go on somewhere else. But you know what Christ does? He, he accepts the invitation. He goes to the hard place to teach us a valuable principle in life, and that is that all of us uh, are going to have hard places in our life. We're, we're going to have places that we have to serve God and, and that we have to do His will and it's not going to be an easy spot. You may be here tonight and find yourself in a hard place. You, you may be in a hard place with your, your finances or you may be in a hard place with your family or you may be in a hard place with your, your friends or you may be in a hard place with your faith tonight. There may be some area of your life that, that you just for whatever reason you, don't, you didn't ask to be there. You, you didn't put yourself in this situation but but for whatever the reason is you're in a hard place tonight I ask myself this question Lord 
Why would you go to this place? Why would you serve in a hard place? You know, we have to serve in hard places, don't we? We can't quit on God just because the road gets a little bit rocky. We can't quit because the weather, the temperature begins to change or, or God changes His plan or God changes His will in our life. We, we can't quit serving God because circumstances are no longer, uh, listen, what we wanted them to be or what we expected them to be. Sometimes life has a way of making things hard on all of us. Sometimes uh, uh, life has a way of throwing you a curve and, and putting you in a position that you say, well, I didn't want to be here. I never saw this coming in my life. I never saw this transition. I never saw all this change in my life and, and now all of a sudden I found my place in, a, in an area where I'm just struggling. I wonder how many people here tonight, you don't have to raise your hand, but you're struggling. Trying to serve God, you're trying to do God's will, you're, you're trying to please the Lord and you want to please God, but in all honesty tonight, you're, in all honesty, you're struggling maybe more than you've ever struggled your whole life. You've got to serve Him in these places. We must go on, Amen. Christ accepted the invitation to where he was. You see, there's 72 steps recorded from Bethlehem's manger to the ascension back up into heaven. And when Christ, uh, every step that you read about in those gospels, uh, uh, listen, every single step, uh, they're not, listen, if you started categorizing most of them, can I tell you, most of his steps were hard places. But he went on, didn't he? Why would he do that? I'll give you four reasons tonight and be done. Number one, I think Jesus went to this hard place in particular, according to verse 2, to deliver a man. Behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. I don't know who this man is. I don't know his, I don't know his name. I don't know his age. I don't know his, his agenda in life. I don't know who his parents was. We don't know where he was from. I, I don't know anything about this man uh, just by reading verse number two other than the fact that I know that he was a, a sinner man. I know that. and I know that he's a single man. It's just one man the Bible highlights in verse number two. There was other men sitting around the table. If you look at verse number three, there was lawyers and there was Pharisees and in the midst of these lawyers and these Pharisees there's this man uh, this single man here he was a sick man the Bible gives us his handicap his, his situation in life and here's a man can I just be honest with you he don't fit the table amen I mean you got Pharisees sitting on one side you got lawyers sitting on the other and then you got this old sinner sitting in the middle that, that they just drug him into their situation and can I be honest with you he's in a hard place too amen uh, he didn't ask to be there no doubt he had taken bread from anybody that would give it but he don't have to be there too long at this table to find out they're not here to break bread amen and he's become the object he's become the illustration of a bad intention here he's been drugged into a situation that he didn't want nothing to do with but nevertheless he is there and the tension you couldn't listen you could cut it with a knife in this room as Christ enters into this house but Jesus accepted this invitation in spite of the situation you say why I think it was because he knew them lawyers wasn't interested in anything he had to say. He knew them Pharisees wasn't interested in anything he had to say. But there's a sinner sitting in the midst. Uh, and they was a man that had a need. Uh, he was a man that had been drugged into a hard place. Uh, and Jesus just has a way that when you and I get in hard places, guess what? He's not going to leave us there by ourselves. Amen. He's going to get right in the middle of it with us. Uh, I'll tell you what Jesus does. Uh, he walks in the house. Uh, he pulls a chair up. Uh, and listen, the Bible doesn't 
say who he sits next to, uh, but I kind of got a feeling, amen, uh, if I was going to have to pick somebody in this text uh, uh, that Jesus was going to sit next to, I don't think it was the lawyer. I don't think it or the lawyers. I don't think it was the Pharisees. Uh, I think he found the worst one in a bunch, amen. I think he found the one that needed the help the most, uh, and he sat down right next to him. Uh, you say, well, now, preacher, you can't prove that. Well, maybe I can and maybe I can't, amen. Uh, I do know this much according to verse number four. He was close enough he could reach out and touch him, amen. Uh, and I'm telling you, that might have been across the table or it might have been side by side. Uh, but what I'm saying is thank God uh, when you find yourself in a hard place, uh, you mark it down. Uh, you're a certain man. Uh, you're a certain woman. Uh, you're not going to be left to yourself. Uh, Christ will sit down at the table with you. He'll pull up right next to you. He'll get close enough he can reach out and touch you. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, sometimes we get called on to be in hard places uh, and those places are not about us uh, but it's about the people around us uh, because they're dying and they need help and they need our help. Uh, I mean, the Lord works through all of us. Isn't that right? Uh, And God may put you in a hard place sometimes to be a benefit to some other man, some other woman. Everybody looks for the easy road. We all do, don't we? Sometimes God puts you in a place you really don't want to be in because he knows there's a certain man there that needs it. Jesus, why would you serve in a hard place? Oh, he served to deliver a man. And then secondly, I think he served in this hard place to define a moment. Because when you get to verse number, verse number 3 here, notice the Bible says, And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day, and they held their peace. It's interesting. Nobody is saying anything. They're watching Jesus as he's sitting at this table. There's silence. Nobody has a word to say. Jesus is there because he knows there's a man that needs to be delivered. He's also there because he knows this is a defining moment in life. He knows that those lawyers and Pharisees have put him in a hard situation. But in this situation, he sees them there. He sees their standing. You see, these lawyers and Pharisees, they was just as much, uh, listen, sinners as this other man was. They just couldn't see it. They needed God. They needed Christ. Uh, They needed to be born again. They needed the message just like everybody else. Uh, They were going to reject the message and despise the message. But isn't that amazing that Christ, uh, he defines the moment. He doesn't leave one man in this room without excuse. Uh, Every man heard the word. Every man uh, witnessed the living word. Uh, you see Christ doesn't just come to those who, who are going to be saved. Uh, I mean some people preach that there's some uh, listen that are predestinated to go to heaven and some are predestinated to go to hell. I'm going to tell you that's hatched out of the pits of hell. That doctrine is. Uh, I'm going to tell you Christ died for every man. Isn't that right? Uh, and he's willing to save any man and every man uh, that will come uh, and he'll give every man an opportunity if he's willing to hear the gospel and receive it. He'll give every man an opportunity even if he's not willing to hear the gospel and receive it. Listen, these Pharisees and these lawyers, uh, they weren't going to be saved, uh, but Jesus still loved them. He was still going to the cross for them as much as anybody else. Uh, He still wanted to see them saved. Uh, And sometimes in life, God puts us in hard places. Why? So that we can define the moment. You see, we must carry on. We must serve God even when others around us will not receive him. A lot of times in life you say, well, I've witnessed to these family members and these friends and, and some of them, they're never going to get saved. 
Well, let's be honest, some of them may never get saved. But they still need a witness. They still need to see a Christian. It's not for me to say if they will or they won't. And it's not for you, but it is for us to, even at hard times, to, uh, to be what God would have us to be. You may work around a bunch of heathens all day that don't want to listen to anything that you've got to say, but define the moment. Amen? Don't blend in, but stand out. You define the moment. When everybody else in this room didn't want to do what was right, there was one that was going to do what was right. He was going to do every man that was right. He was going to do that uh, man that was sick right. But he was going to do every Every man that was right in that room. You see, Christ never mistreated anybody. Christ never misled anybody. And you and I, we've got to be a witness. We've got to serve God in the good times and in the bad. We've got to serve God when it's a time of reaping and when it's a time of famine. We've got to serve God when the odds are for us. But we've got to serve God when the odds are against us. Amen. Every moment in life has to be defined. And we must do it, my friend, according to the will of God. Jesus, why would you go into that house? He said, I went in that house. It is a hard place, but it was to deliver a man. And then it was to define a moment. God may have you down there at that schoolhouse to be a witness to those who don't want to hear the gospel. God may have you on that job because you may be the only light that they ever see. God may have you living on that street that you live on. Because you may be the only person they see walking to the car with a Bible on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Every moment in life must be defined and must be marked by our Christianity. We must be conscious at all times that people are watching us just as they were watching Christ in this text. As we go to town, as we go about our ways, as we go about our business, we, we must watch our conduct. We must watch our temper. We must watch our attitude. We must watch our, our way of dress. We must watch everything about us. Why? Because they're watching us. Amen? The world is looking at us. Don't you let this contemporary liberal, probably majority lost crowd sell you this bill of goods that it doesn't matter that you can just live any old way you please and do anything you want to and God is happy with it. You won't find that nowhere in the book. Amen? The Bible talks about come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord. The Bible says without holiness no man shall see the Lord. I know there's positional holiness, but there's also a progressive sanctification. Amen. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 1. Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We're to live holy. We're to live clean. Psalms 1 and verse number 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. Even the apostle Paul, when he wrote to the Roman, uh, Romans, he said to him in chapter 12 and verse number 1, he said, I beseech you, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present what? Your bodies a living sacrifice, uh, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, and he said, be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 19. Why? Know you not that your body is a temple, the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Where first? Where did Paul say first to glorify God? He said in your body and then in your spirit. Amen? I'm telling you, listen, if we'll clean the out, God cleans the inside up, but if we'll clean the outside up and if we'll live clean and live right in front of people and be a good testimony, we can define the moments of life for the glory and the honor of God tonight. Is that right tonight? Lord, why? 
Why would you go into such a hard place to deliver a man, to define a moment, and then to demonstrate a miracle? Look at verse number four. The Bible said that they held their peace. Look what the Bible says, and he took him, and he healed him, and he let him go. I like that, don't you? Three things he did in this old boy's life. He took him, and then the Bible said he healed him, he touched him, and then he let him go. He turned him loose, amen? I tell you what Jesus did. He reached out and he took that old boy. He touched him and healed him. He said, now the best thing you can do is get out of here. Amen. Because they're not serving biscuits today. I know they told you they were, but it ain't about biscuits. Amen. He turned that old boy loose. You know why? Because that boy probably was about ready to break out in a shouting spell. Amen. I tell you why. The Lord might have left him there just long enough to irritate that bunch. But they knew what Jesus was going to do. You see, they knew enough about Jesus to know this. He wasn't going to let anybody sit in his presence that had a need and let it go untouched. Amen. Man, and Jesus reached out and got a hold of that old boy. Uh, you know what he did? Uh, listen, he demonstrated a miracle uh, right in front of their very eyes. Uh, now they didn't appreciate the miracle, and they wasn't listen. They wasn't they wasn't impressed about that miracle. Uh, but Jesus went ahead and did it anyway. You know, I've been in a few dead churches about like this old crowd. Amen. Uh, they just sit around and look at you, and, and everybody just kind of sit in silence. Uh, and sometimes you wouldn't think God was going to do anything. But you know what He'll do every now and then. I mean, even in an old dead church uh, with a bunch of Pharisees uh, uh, looking at you like a bunch of lawyers. Amen. Uh, I tell you, sometimes the glory of the Lord uh, will just reach down uh, and he'll help somebody right in the midst. Amen. Uh, They may not shout about it, uh, but thank God Jesus and this old boy, uh, uh, they had a time. Amen. I kind of figure when this boy got outside the house, uh, he probably found somebody uh, to tell what the Lord had done for him. Uh, And can I tell you, if God ever performs a miracle in your life, uh, you'll want somebody to know about it. Hallelujah. Preacher, why has God got me in a hard place? Because I want to tell you tonight, no hard places, no miracles. The God of the easy is the God of the hard tonight. You know that? The same God that works in the easy places. He's the same God that works in the hard places. The God that works in the good times. Thank God. He also works in the bad times. The God of the sunshine, He's still God of the storm. Amen. The God on the mountain, He's still God down in the valley. I'm going to tell you the God, I thank God in the times of plenty. He's still God in the times of famine. He's a God in the desert. He's a God in the wilderness. He's a God in lean times. He's God in the dark hours. He's God in the wee hours of the morning. He's the God that is God when you're smiling. He's the same God when the tears are dripping off your chin and falling on your pillow. He catches every one of them, praise God, and puts them in a bottle. You know why? Because he's God. And he said, besides me, I'm about to get blessed myself. There is none other tonight. I'm telling you, he's still on the throne. The God that was here before the pandemic, he's the God that saw us through the pandemic. He'll be God when it's all over with. I'm telling you, he's God today and he's going to be God tomorrow and he's going to be God throughout eternity. I'm glad I serve the same God. This same Jesus, hallelujah, shall so come in like manner. Thank God he never 
changes. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. I'm glad I serve a God. He's an on-time God. He's a never-changing God. He's an all-seeing God. He's an all-powerful God. He's an all-knowing God. He's an all-comforting God. He's an all-helping God. He's just God tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. And had we not had hard places in life, you think about the miracles you'd have missed out on. I tell you, go down memories lane with me for just a minute. Walk down through the corridors of your mind and in your life. Pick you out a moment and a place in life when you was hard pressed and your back was against the wall and you didn't have any resources and you didn't have any ability to fix your situation. And you didn't know which way was up. And you didn't know where you was going to turn. I'm telling you, your world just seemed like it was about to come crashing in. Uh, oh, but I'm going to tell you, right in the middle of it all, you know what there, who there was? Uh, it was Jesus right there uh, holding back all of hell, uh, holding back all the storms of life. Uh, he was there in the midst of it all. Uh, he saw it before it ever came. Uh, he let you go through the hard time. Why? So he could go through it with you. Hallelujah. Somehow, somewhere, some way. He brought you to the other side, didn't he? You know, Jesus told them disciples one day, he said, let's go to the other side. And they got on that boat, and he sent them over there. He sent them, he went with them. That was a hard place, wasn't it, when that storm came? And I thought about this. He, he sent them straight into a storm. The very least he could have done was tell them, now listen, we're going to the other side, but you're going to encounter a storm. They didn't do that. He let them unknowingly go straight into the, one of the fiercest storms they would ever face in life. Why did he do that? Because he didn't want them to see the storm. He wanted them to keep their eyes on the other side. Because there is an other side to life. I want to tell you, if you're in a hard place tonight, you hold on, child of God. There's another side to this thing. I don't know if it'll be today. I don't know if it'll be tomorrow. I don't even know if it'll be next week. But what I do know is that every pillow you cross uh, and through every wave that goes by, crashing by, the same God that was with you with that one will be with you with the next one. And somewhere, some way, somehow, the sun will shine again. Uh, the storm clouds will roll away. Uh, and just like he's done it so many times before, uh, God will see you through the storm. Uh, as the songwriter said, he just won't get you by. But thank God he'll see you through. Hallelujah. That's him tonight. He demonstrated a miracle. And then Jesus, why would you go in a hard place to deliver a man, to define a moment, to demonstrate a miracle, but then finally, to deliver a message? You see, Jesus had something that he wanted to say to this crowd in verse 5. And I answered them saying, which of you shall have an ass or an ox fall into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? Well, I love the way the Lord did that. He reached over and helped that old boy, healed him right there in their very presence and said, now you get out of here. And when that door shut, Jesus looked at that crowd was staring him right in the face. And he asked them, he said, now which of you shall have an ass or an ox fall into a pit? and not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day. You know, he rebuked them to say, if you have one judgmental thought about what you've just seen, 
you have more concern for an old dumb animal than you do the soul of an individual. The sermon that he delivered was practical, personal, but powerful. And the Bible said in verse 6, they could not answer him again to these things. They were speechless. You know what the principle of this text proves to me about hard places? It's to remember this, that God has people in hard places. If you're in a hard place tonight, remember, you're not alone. There's others. I promise you there's others going through what you're going through. You're not alone. And God knows that that's the only path that you and I can trod right now to get to some people. And then God has purposes in hard places. I promise you, wherever you're at, wherever I'm at today, I promise you, I may not know, I may not know, I may not have the answer, and you may not neither, but I promise you this. You're not where you're at without a purpose. You may not be able to see it, you may not be able to put it together, you may not be able to understand it, but you mark it down. There's a God sitting in heaven. He knows exactly why you're where you're at. He knows exactly why you're struggling, however, whatever, with wherever you're struggling. He knows the purpose. And you know something about God. He don't really owe me an explanation. He don't really have to ever tell me why. I like to know why. Don't you like to know why? God is not obligated to ever explain to us why we go through some hardships. I remember one time going through something and when I came out of it, I couldn't figure out why this happened in my life. And for years, it bothered me that, that I couldn't put the pieces of that puzzle together. Sometimes it would come up, and I, and I remember sitting in Dalton in a service one day, and, and the preacher that got up to preach, he read, a, he read a text out of a psalm, and I found David was in the same place. David couldn't figure out why he had been through some things. And at that moment, it dawned on me, and I thought, God just turned the light on. Son, you don't have to know why on everything. All you got to do is know that I have a greater purpose in life. Eternity will reveal that one day, won't it? Hard places tell us that God has people in hard places. God has purpose in hard places. And then what this text proves is that God has power in hard places. Do you realize that the power... Of God was not hindered one bit by a hard place. It didn't matter how many lawyers they stacked in that room. It didn't matter how many Pharisees. It didn't. The odds appeared to be against, but the odds are never against God. The songwriter said, "How can we lose the battle when we got God on our side?" The Word of God said, "If God be for us, who can be against us?" I'm going to tell you tonight, if you know God to free pardon to sin, listen, God is the majority tonight. I don't know your situation. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know your hard place. But I can tell you this much rest in the fact that for the day that you gave me that verse, it's just helped my soul so much in the last... I, I read it months ago, but you know how it is. Sometimes you read over something, you see it, but, but then he, God knows when you need something. Jehoshaphat said, Lord, we've done everything. There's nothing we can do. It's out of our hands. We can't fix it. But our eyes are on thee. 
Where's your eyes at tonight, child of God? As long as you're looking at that hard place, you're going to live defeated. But if you ever look above it and get your eyes on Him, God's power is not hindered by hard places as we stand tonight and say, get us a song ready. Are you in a hard place? There's help tonight. There's hope. So I don't really want to be here. I'm sure... I'm sure Jesus felt that way. Calvary was a hard place. And in his flesh, there were times he said, Lord, if it be possible, would you let this cup pass? He didn't want to be in his flesh in that place. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Hard places will help us. They grow us. They strengthen us. They really define us and develop us into what God what God wants us to be tonight as he leads us in this song. If you need to come, if you're in that place tonight, you need help. You mind God tonight. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort. He's brought you here. Whatever He's still I in the forefront. Wherever I be, yes. still tis God's hand. His hand. God leading you tonight. He's with you. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. What a shepherd. By his own hand, he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be for by his hand. He Hey, listen to me. Look at me just a minute. I, I asked the Lord about something this week. I said, Lord, I, I bowed my head. I said, God, I can't do anything about this situation. But, Lord, it's yours. And you're the only one. You're the only one can do anything about it. I cannot do anything about it. I'm going to tell you something. In that moment, I felt such peace come over my soul it ain't always that way but I sure am thankful when it is God I mean just I mean heaven just dumped a truckload of peace down in my soul when I said that and isn't it good to know that I don't have to figure anything out in life I don't have to try to put pieces together I'll tell you if I could it'd be a mess anyway but it is so good to know that I serve a God that it's not on my shoulders, thank God. It's on His shoulders. And the burden's never too heavy. He can shoulder every burden tonight that's in this room. And I don't know what your burden is. But I tell you, you ought to get it off your shoulder and put it on the shoulder of the one that's leading you tonight. I'm going to tell you, He'll help you in that hard place if you'll trust Him while we sing another verse tonight. Sometimes mid-scenes of deepest gloom sometimes where Eden's powers bloom right. by water still oh, yes. or troubled sea still tis his hand that leads oh let's sing that to him tonight church let's sing it to him he he's a good God what a shepherd. Me, my he 
Yes. He'll never lead you wrong. Hallelujah. His faithful follower I would be. Yes. For by his hand Let's sing another verse to him tonight. Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur, nor repine. Content whatever lot I see, since tis my God oh, that leadeth me. Amen. Sing it to him. He leadeth me, he yes. leadeth me by his own hand. He leadeth me, his faithful follower I would be. For by his hand he leadeth me. Amen. All God's people said. Well, God's been good to us today, hasn't he? I praise his name for the good offering. But more importantly, I praise his name for his presence being with us this morning and tonight. And so thankful for each one of you. I thank God for Bible Baptist Church. And it's a good place to come worship God. And we got a good church family. And I praise God for each one of you. Praying for you this week. Trust you'll pray for us. And let's pray for the service on Wednesday night. And uh, let's pray for Brother Grant this Wednesday night. And so, if you're on, Brother uh, Caleb has a, uh, Brother Caleb Williams has a meeting tonight. If you're on the media team, if you'll slip over to the fellowship hall right now, uh, that'll help him out, just kind of get that going. And so, um, we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. And let's be sure and pray for these folks that have been sick and pray the Lord to touch them. If all hearts and minds are clear tonight, we'll be dismissed. And uh, I tell you, I want to thank God for this too. I want to thank God that we still have church on Sunday night. And that we have a good crowd. We have a good crowd that comes. And uh, you know how blessed we are. A lot of churches, a lot of churches that are still having church on Sunday night. Uh, they, I mean, a lot of preachers have talked about how the crowd has dropped off so much. I tell you, we're blessed tonight, aren't we? Amen. And I want to say thank you for seeing the importance of uh, being in the house of God on Sunday night and Wednesday night. I know sometimes people have to work jobs on Wednesday, but I appreciate you coming on and being here. And uh, even with these, uh, these dark hours, still having church. I tell you, I wish they'd just leave it alone. Amen. I like daylight, don't you? But uh, we still have church. Amen. And so thank you for being here. And uh, be careful pulling out of the parking lot tonight. And uh, watch. And you young people, be sure and stay on the grass. And don't be running behind cars, all right? Make sure nobody gets run over tonight. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. And uh, yes, ma'am.